It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on Monday, March 5th. Just uh, actually just a little over 24 hours since the LA Galaxy defeated the Portland Timbers 2-1 in the season opener of the 2018 MLS regular season for the Galaxy. Uh, Maybe a little bit unexpected, at least from my point of view. We're going to talk about that. Uh, talk about some of the games, some of the things that we can pull away from that. Maybe some injury updates as well. Joel Pedro, Ramon, Alessandrini on uh, all LA Galaxy fans' thoughts right now as the LA Galaxy get ready for week number two and a trip all the way across the United States to take on New York City FC in Yankee Stadium on Sunday. So uh, we're going to touch on a bunch of different topics, but a man who just went wheels down here back in Southern California after a trip up to the Pacific Northwest Mr. Kevin Baxter is, of course, back in the house. Kevin, thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, hustling home so that way we could record. Well, it's great to be here, and no more tomfoolery. I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm going to be totally serious. No more jokes in the show. We're going to uh, we're, we're going to move forward that way. I, I actually, there's no, it's, I, I don't believe that even for a second, first of all. Uh, and second of all, there are people actually now sending in jokes for you oh, to, for yeah, you to say. Great. Someone's writing my material. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So you're probably going to have to dole out some writer's credits here as we uh, continue on. But let's uh, let's touch. You were up uh, covering the game uh, LAFC versus Seattle. I at least wanted to see how your trip was and uh, and how that entire uh, uh, back and forth turned out for you. Yeah, well, I just flew home, and boy, are my arms tired. Oh, there it was. There it was. We got in, what, two minutes? Two minutes in the show. Good job, Kevin. That was a new record for you. Uh, so, Well, that yeah, almost like LAFC's first goal. They almost scored 65 seconds into their first game in franchise history, but uh, a hitter hit the post instead. That would have been a, an exciting start. It would have been. It would have been. That was uh, that was an interesting game up there, a little hail at halftime, apparently. So uh, Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was freezing. It hailed at halftime. It rained in the second half. The amazing thing about the hail, though, is it pretty much started when the players left the pitch for halftime, and then when they came back out, it stopped. It was it was really bizarre. It was almost like, um, you know, like the the Mother Nature was not going to disrupt the game with the hail. Rain a little bit, but not the hail. Yeah, a, a very very convenient indeed. All right, LA Galaxy get a two one win over the Portland Timbers. Kevin, I had the Galaxy losing this game. Uh, I'll be dead straight honest with you. In fact, it just flipped the scoreline for me. I had the Timbers winning. Two to one, I thought the Timbers had too much offensive firepower and the big question marks for the LA Galaxy, the defense, the goalkeeping, and whether or not they were going to be able to generate anything through Ola Kamara. They answered a couple of those questions, at least for this game, Kevin. I'd love to get your general thoughts on the game and, and where you think the Galaxy were good and maybe where they were a little weak. Well, you know, really Portland fell asleep for about a two-minute stretch there when they gave up both those goals. Take away that, and, and I thought Portland had a pretty good game. The Galaxy were better, but... Um, you know, I thought that I thought Portland was pretty good, except for those two minutes. It's funny. I talked to Ola Kamara just a couple of days before the game, and I told him that I thought in the preseason it looked like he was lacking a little bit of chemistry with some of his teammates. And uh, Ziggy Schmidt had just told me the same thing that he thought that that would progress as they moved along, but that it wasn't there. And and Ola Kamara acted as if I had insulted him in some way, and he was very forceful about th- that I was not seeing things right. That he was 
right where he needed to be and that he was being effective and that he was on the same page with his teammates. And then he goes out there and proves it and it gets the first goal of the season. That's what he came here to do. I thought there was a lot of pressure on him because essentially the franchise said and the team said, we've made all these changes in the offseason and it doesn't mean anything if we can't score goals. This is the guy we brought in to score goals. They made him a target striker. I don't know the Galaxy's really had one of those for a while. Um, and, you know, he delivered, right? In, in the first half of his very first game, I thought it was a great start for him. Yeah, it was a good start for him. Uh, it was a good start for a lot of the Galaxy players. I mean, when you look at this game and, and how the Galaxy were able to succeed, um, you have to understand, Portland had more shots. Uh, Portland had more possession. Uh, and a lot of those times, those things don't necessarily coincide with the win, and they didn't in this particular chance either. Uh, the Galaxy just three shots on target, but the wasted chances. I mean, if you want to pick something on the Galaxy to say that uh, it was poor on the night, it was finishing chances. Giovanni Dos Santos had two absolute sitters that he should have been able to bury. Emma Boateng, despite the fact that I think Emmanuel Boateng was one of the better players on the night, he had two chances that he absolutely scuffed and failed to convert. So the Galaxy, in my mind, could have easily won this game by a score of maybe 4-1 to one or 4-2, to two, if, you were, if you're going to be fair to Portland as well. Um, because Portland's chances just weren't as dangerous. And when you look at the major chances, the Galaxy were able to create those. So even though that's a negative, Kevin, that they weren't able to finish all those chances and really put the game away early and make this a nice, quiet, comfortable night for the Galaxy, uh, instead they made it interesting all the way down the stretch, um, if you look at it, at least they're creating the chances. And and everybody always talks about, Siggy Schmidt says it, uh, the players say it, you know, the goals are sort of the last thing to come, sort of the last thing to fit in with all of these changes that they've had around the whole team. So you, you're getting to the point where they're getting 98% of the work done, but you're lacking some quality and finishing, and you're lacking maybe some urgency, intensity, um, and just, just, just give me some quality finishes there, and the Galaxy would have easily ran away with this game. And it wouldn't have been... A Portland had a very good night, which I think they played okay. I think Portland did. Um, but at the same time, the Galaxy really shouldn't have made this a contest for me. Well, you know, the, the one guy I thought had a poor preseason and, and talked about trying to get on the same page with his teammates was David Bingham. But I thought he was pretty good in the opener. Um, you know, again, Portland was very active. Not a ton of difficult saves for him, but he was busy. He had to be in position. He had to be ready. Uh, I thought he played a pretty good game, uh, much better than I would have anticipated based on what happened uh, during the preseason. And, you know, Ziggy said he wants to play the ball out of the back. He, um, he's he got the defenders that are able to do that. Certainly, we know the midfield is really good. Um, so I, I thought it was a pretty good Ziggy Schmidt game. I thought they did pretty much what he wanted wanted to do. I think it was the way that he drew it up. And Ziggy was the one guy throughout the whole preseason who, uh, you know, it, it was a poor preseason. They didn't win a lot of games. And um, Ziggy the whole time was... I don't really care about the score. I care about the process. I care about what we're doing as a team. I care about how we're coming together as a team. And uh, he looked like a prophet because he got to opening night. When the bell rang, the team was ready. Yeah, uh, the starting lineup for the Galaxy, just so we go over it, everybody can get in their mind. Uh, David Bingham in goal, Michael Ciani uh, was one of the center backs along with Rolf Felcher, Jorgen Schielvik, the other center back, Ashley Cole, out there on the left-hand side. Perry Kitchen playing your defensive midfielder role. Emmanuel Boateng out on the left side of the offense. Jonathan Dos Santos sitting in that center attacking role. Uh, Perry Kitchen, did I mention him? Yeah, I did mention him already. I just wanted to make sure. 
Uh, he was he was a big big guy in the night. That's why uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, and like I said, in the attacking central midfielder role, Giovanni Dos Santos uh, up in the I guess they're sort of calling him a midfielder, but maybe the second striker role as we've seen him. Uh, Ramon Alessandrini out there on the right wing, and Ola Kamara, the number nine striker up there on the top. The one sort of surprise. Everything was as expected, Kevin, in that starting lineup. There were no surprises. Uh, we had sort of f- felt that out throughout the uh, entirety of last week of who was going to start, who was going to play. It sort of felt like that it was going to be this lineup. It ended up being the only surprise that we really had on the night. And it's not Daniel even Daniel Starris. Daniel Starris. No, no, not only not even that. The only surprise on the night was that um, on the bench, the second goalkeeper was not Brian Silvestri, as we all thought the depth chart would probably show. It was Justin Vom Stieg, who just signed with the LA Galaxy from LA Galaxy 2. But it, it's I, I was told there's no injury to Silvestri. This was a straight-up coach's decision. So Siggy Schmidt deciding, at least for this game, his number two goalkeeper is Justin Vom Stieg. So if you're keeping the depth chart in your mind, that's something you can just sort of continue to, to pay attention to. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I still think Steris not getting the start was more surprising. I mean, essentially your backup goalkeeper is carrying carrying the clipboard, um, to use an NFL term. I, I mean, although you can look back at what happened last year when uh, um, Dan Kennedy was – or was it two years ago? It's it been that long when Dan ago, Kennedy yeah. got hurt in the first game and yeah. Brian Rowe came in and then went on to have a really good season. So you the, – the first the, – rather the backup goalkeeper came into play in that one. But – you were talking before we went on the air about uh, people talking about whether the Galaxy are actually better than last year. Remember, they lost the first game last year. Then Portland came in and beat them one to nothing. So early season game against Portland, lost last year. This year the Galaxy win. If that seems to me to be progress. Yeah, I mean, it's either progress for the LA Galaxy, which I certainly think it's that, or it's that Portland has regressed. I mean, you can look at those two as, as sort of the, the only two answers. I'll tell you right now, it's the Galaxy got better. Um, and, and that's, that's clear. We, we, I was joking with, um, I was joking with somebody, uh, actually, I was joking with Dan Kennedy. You were just mentioned him. Uh, I saw him, uh, up in the press box before the game started and we were sort of joking about the team a little bit. And he, I, I think we were talking about, you know, Hey, it can't get any worse than last year. And he goes, Hey, he goes, this is sports. Like never, never sort of doubt that it could be as, as bad or even worse than the year before. Right? Like it could be that bad. But the big thing Dan Kennedy said was that the Galaxy don't know what they have yet. They really have a team without an identity, Kevin, because as we've talked about and and going into this game, there are only two remaining players from the 2014 MLS Cup champion team. Uh, there's only really two players who sort of carry on that legacy of and, knowing and no no starters and yeah and no starters absolutely it's it's Bradford Jamison the fourth and and Baggio Husidic are the two players. Um, and so you look at all those, they, they don't know, some of these players, or this team doesn't know what it is to win a championship. And for a while there, Kevin, 2011, 2012, 2014, um, you looked at those three years, and there were guys, and there was carryover from year to year to year. These guys knew what it took to win championships. You don't know what this LA Galaxy uh, you know, identity is right now, except that I think we figured, found a little bit of it on Sunday night, which is this team doesn't want to stop. They didn't give up. The, the same team in the same position, Kevin, the last year's 2017 team, does not win that game. There's well, no way. Me, there's a couple other things. and I mean, when you talk about the, the carryover and the guys that know how to win, that's why I, I love the decision to give Ashley Cole the armband. This is a guy who's played at the highest levels, uh, both internationally and with his club team. He knows what it's like to win a Champions League title. He knows what it's like to win... Uh, you know, at the highest level, and he, but he's not a raw raw guy. He's not Robbie Keane. 
So he's it's quiet leadership, but I think it's very effective. The other thing I like about this Galaxy team is these guys seems to me, and I know again five new starters. It seems to me that these guys are all playing for one another. They're not necessarily playing for a legacy or anything like that. They're playing for one another. It's a foxhole mentality, which I really love. And the guys that are coming back, the guys that were here last year, to a to a man, they have all told me that they were totally embarrassed by what happened last year. And Ashley Cole has been the most vocal on that. Uh, they were embarrassed and that they think the fans and, and the league and the Galaxy organization deserve better than what they gave them last year. And, and they want to come in and turn that around. And so I think all those are really good things. I mean, I think you saw that with the way that they played. But another thing is, remember last year, it was injury after injury after injury. There was a game in San Jose, and what did they have? Three or four people on the bench under Kurt Anafo, right. who, who, who still I don't think really got a chance, but that's a discussion for another day. Anyway, there was injury after injury. So what happens in this game? Allison Drini gets hurt. Who comes on? Sebastian Legett. Well, actually, Nash, actually, it, team player. actually, it was Chris Pontius came in for right. that. Okay. And then Legett, yeah. Yeah. So, and on the bench, we had Romney and you had Steris. And, uh, I mean, there were some good players, guys, that got a lot of minutes last year that were on the bench. Remember last year, Nathan Smith was coming off the bench. Right. So it, it's a totally different situation. Um you know, in your conversation with Dan Cannon, it can't get much worse than last year. I, I, I can't agree with you, but I think that we can, after just one game, just looking at the substitutions and the guys that were available off the bench and the way that the team, again, played for one another, yes, it's one game. There's 33 more to go. They could go a 1-33, and 33, but... I thought there were a lot of encouraging signs. Oh, oh, a number of encouraging signs. I want to pick up on your Ashley Cole topic as well. Let me read you Ashley Cole's quote afterwards. Uh, I sort of pick up here in the middle of it. He says, uh, we played well in the first half. In the second half, we were a little bit sloppy, but we fought. We gave it everything, and we came away with a win. We're not going to get carried away. It's the first game of the preseason, but it's three points on the board. The, the part I'm really circling here is, but we fought and actually, the, the Galaxy sort of misquote him on this, uh, just, just slightly. He actually says, but we fought. The lads gave everything, and we came away with a win. The lads. The lads are fighting, Kevin. Siggy Schmidt said he was very pleased with the fight as well. You look at the players that they brought in and the mentality, and one of the guys who sticks out to me, uh, not just Ashley Cole playing, and, and Ashley Cole always always giving almost 100% every game, um, but you look at somebody like Perry Kitchen who came in, and you look at how he plays and how he's played in the preseason and how he played in the game on Sunday night. This is a guy who's a fighter. This is a guy who does not give up. This is a guy who will fight for 90 minutes. And that's what, if you're if you're looking for an identity for this LA Galaxy team, which is a good identity to have, by the way, already one game into it, is that they're going to fight. And they may not always come out on top. And right now, they certainly still have some deficiencies in that starting lineup that are going to cause them problems and will probably cause them problems against New York City on the weekend. But... They're going to fight. They're not going to give up. And, you know, after 90 minutes, they're going to leave it all on the field. That's what it feels like after one game. Well, and you talked about uh, its score could have been much, uh, the scoreline could have been much higher. It was opening night for the referees, too. Jerry Marufo really missed the call with when Marco uh, Farfan slid into Michael Ciani, never even touched the ball and brought Ciani down. That was a penalty kick. That was one of maybe a couple that could have been called. And you had the same thing up in Seattle with LAFC when. Um, uh, Carlos Vela was pulled down in the box and he should have got a penalty kick too. It was clearly opening night for the referees 
and for VAR, which for whatever reason wasn't used in any of those uh, on any of those occasions when it should have been. Yeah, it's head scratching to me. Stu Holden, who actually did the uh, was on the call for Fox Sports One, uh, who did the call for the Galaxy game, just had a Twitter rant about VAR. Basically, uh, Stu and I are on the same page on VAR, which is I like the technology. I think they should use it. The problem is they're not using it. All they had to do was go check these plays. Sebastian Legette gets pulled down on the penalty box basically in the 91st minute that would have put the game away. Siani gets pulled down on the box, I think, in the 38th minute. Uh, two seconds after Siani gets pulled down on the box, the ball gets shot and actually stopped. I think it's by Farfan again, or another Portland defender gets stopped by a hand. There are literally two penalties that should have been called within about five seconds of each other on the same play, and VAR decided not to look at it. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't look at it, Kevin. It just means they didn't stop play after the ball went out of bounds. They didn't stop it and say, hey, we need to look at that. All right. Well, you know what was really funny in the LAFC game, and you probably didn't see this because you were on your way to StubHub Center, but when Vela was pulled down, I thought this was hilarious. He jumped up and he drew the, the TV in yes. the air, you yes. know, the sign for taking a, a look at the TV. Uh, I don't think he had VAR in in Spain. This is a new thing for him, but he knew the sign already. He jumped up and started drawing a TV in the air, and at first it looked kind of comical until – Everybody realized what he was doing, but he was all over that. He knows exactly what the referee's supposed to do in a situation like that. They all do, and by the way, that's supposed to be a yellow card um, whenever they ask for it like that. So they're not allowed to make the VAR signal just like the, the referees are supposed to actually do it. So, yeah, it was a, listen, a, a, a good game for the Galaxy. They get the win. Um, for me, there were a bunch of guys who impressed, and I've already listed off Perry Kitchen, who I thought was outstanding on the night. Uh, Siggy Schmidt talked about how, uh, how Perry Kitchen's addition in that midfield made the Portland Timbers have to pass around Diego Valeri. And anytime your presence can make them bypass one of their better offensive players, Kevin, something good is going on there. You know, something really good is going on there. And so the Galaxy were able to force and move the Portland Timbers in the midfield because of Perry Kitchen and because of Jonathan Dos Santos. I've been seeing, Kevin, on Twitter that people are saying that Jonathan Dos Santos didn't have a good game. I think it might just be guilty by association having the same last name as, as Dos Santos, as his, uh, as his brother Giovanni, because when you look at Jonathan's game, at Jonah's game, this game, he was outstanding save for one play that he made a bad pass back into the middle that could have resulted in a Portland goal. Luckily, it was saved by Bingham, uh, made a good stop on it. But at the same time, it was a very impressive play from both of those players, Kitchen and Jonathan Dos Santos. Right now, if you're looking at where the Galaxy can be successful, it's in that midfield, it's in the center. Perry Kitchen being able to, being able to control things, Jonathan Dos Santos being able to control things. It's just the, some other guys around them that you need to step up, and one of those guys was Giovanni Dos Santos. Um, it, it, it's beginning to be a broken record, and I don't want it to sound like one, but he was not in this game from moment one. Uh, I talked to one reporter who said his touch was off all night, um, and it led to Siggy Schmidt benching, or at least pulling him off, uh, for for uh, Chris Pontius, or excuse me, for Sebastian Legette, um, you know, with about 20 minutes to go in the game. I don't know how big of a deal we should make of that yet, Kevin. Uh, it feels like it should be a big deal. Giovanni Dos Santos gets sat, sat down. He didn't play 90 minutes. Um, but at the same time, 
Siggy Schmidt said it looked like there were some tired legs on him, so that's why they wanted to get Sebastian Legette in there. And Legette comes in, and for all the good things you want to talk about, for all the people who impressed, Sebastian Legette should have probably scored one or two goals in his 20 minutes that he was on the field. Well, so th- that progression gets better. He got pulled down at one point, didn't he? He, he should have also had a penalty uh, called against him or called on him. Yep. Um, he got pulled down the box. You know, the, the Geo thing is is really troubling for an, uh, a couple of reasons. Um, one of the things is that this is when he's supposed to be at his best because he's trying to impress one person right now, which is Juan Carlos Osorio, and he's trying to to make sure that he's on that Mexican national team. They got a friendly coming up in a couple of weeks, and he wants to go to the World Cup. Um, tired legs. That's not uh, the optics on that are not good um, at this point of the year. If uh, if the Mexican national team are watching, so. That's not a good thing. Um, you know, Gio needs to start playing at a little bit higher level and showing a little bit more if he's going to make that Mexican national team and, and help the Galaxy. I really thought this would be the time of the year up through the World Cup where he would be totally focused and would and would be a beast. And, um, you know, he had some good moments in that first game, but I don't think that was – it wasn't the dominant player that I thought that he would be um, at this point in the season. Yeah, he picked up uh, – in my opinion, I will certainly put this entirely on my shoulders. In my opinion, he picked up Giassi Zardes' dribbling technique from last year, which was to basically dribble twice and then give the ball away because your touch was off. Um, there were several breakaways that Giovanni Dos Santos could have done better with. He didn't. There were several missed chances, which were wide open shots on goal, where I think he put one almost into the stadium club. Um, it's just it's disappointing. And again, I'm not holding out criticism for other players. There's there's other players who deserve some criticism as well. Um, Bingham was okay for me. I know you said that he you thought he played okay. I don't like him giving up a goal through his legs near post. That was still almost a deflection that ended up getting to Blanco and Blanco coming in near post and beating Felcher to the line. You can blame Felcher a little bit for it, but it was also a quick play. I don't know how much you really want to dig into it. Um, he's getting better, in my opinion. Uh, I felt more comfortable with with uh, with David Bingham, but the other guy who was just not impressing me at all was Giovanni Dos Santos. And at one point, somebody tweeted me and said that Giovanni Dos Santos is the worst player on the field for the Galaxy on that night, and I would be hard-pressed to find somebody who played worse than Giovanni Dos Santos, which is disturbing for a guy who is your highest paid player and one of your designated players as well. Well, before we get too far away from Ashley Cole and his comment about lads, another guy who talked about lads all the time, I want to get this in before I forget, another guy who always mentioned lads was Robbie Keane. And, you know, he's playing in the Indian Super League right now. Right. He's just been named coach of his uh, team, ATK. Uh, they had a manager who was fired. They had a caretaker manager, and then they named Robbie Keane to be the player coach. And I mentioned that for a couple of reasons. One, it's something that he's always talked about wanting to do. He, he said he was never going to leave the game. At some point, he'd be a coach. Well, now he is a coach. He's still playing. Ashley Cole wants to be a coach, too. But the interesting thing is, for all the flack that uh, that AEG rightly took for last season's disaster, one of the things that they did get right the year before was – they didn't offer Robbie Keane an extension, and I was told that they noticed in June that his legs were dead, that he was just – it was over, uh, and they weren't going to – and the idea of not bringing him back really caused a lot of dissension. You know, Robbie was very unhappy, and he let it be known, and I think it's it spilled over on some of his teammates. Uh, it's interesting because he's missed most of the season in India this year because of uh, injuries. Yeah. He, ha- he does have five goals. He has uh, – Four goals in the last three games. He scored in his debut as as coach. He scored the only goal in a one to nothing win. So um, Robbie Keane still alive, still kicking, still injured, but now a coach. 
Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun to sort of still follow uh, Robbie Keane and sort of all of his exploits and where he's headed to. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, Kevin. I would not pass up the uh, the opportunity to see him back in Major League Soccer as a coach. I think that somebody would be more than willing to take a chance on Mr. Robbie Keane, and and not even that's not even much of a chance in in my opinion. Uh, he seems like the guy who can inspire, and and he could be uh, he could be a good coach in the future. So maybe he does find a home in uh, Major League Soccer uh, coaching as one of his first stops, which would uh, certainly be interesting to see. Uh, I'm trying to think. You know what? Let's go ahead and get to some calls because we got some calls into the COG hotline. Remember, anytime you want to give us a call, you can. It's a voicemail. It's there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, especially right after games is the best. So do me a favor. You're going to listen to the podcast, you're going to hear the number, you're going to put it in your phone, and you're going to save it, and that way you will have it ready after the game. The next game, you can just call it straight in. So the number is 949-385-2641. That's 949-385-2641 for the COG hotline. We had four wonderful calls, so let's go first. Actually, and I should even say, I believe there was a Renee. I believe Renee called in. Renee, it sounded like you had a good call, but for some reason it came in all broken and weirdly sped up and all sorts of things, so I apologize. That's the reason you're not getting any airplay time is because uh, the call went all wonky somewhere uh, along the way. Cell phones, computers, there were about seven different ways it could have gone wrong, and somewhere in there it went wrong. So please give us a call back again. We certainly appreciate it. All right. Come on, Renee. <laughs> I don't blame together. It's not her fault. It's not her fault. It's, it's probably it's probably Google's fault. Let's blame Google. Okay. Operators are standing by. <laughs> or or not. Uh, let's go to uh, Augusto here in the Inland Empire. Hey, Kesman. This is Augusto here from the Inland Empire. I just want to give you a call and say, first of all, thanks for retweeting my uh, tweet of uh, my daughter kissing the LA Galaxy crest. That was amazing. Uh, she's a Number one Galaxy fan, of course, uh, showing them since just a little kid. And uh, I just want to say, man, the game was amazing today. Everybody played. I'm so happy to see a win at home, finally. The crowd, everything was just perfect. Couldn't start the season better. I uh, love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. I listen to you every Monday and, and Thursday. Thanks again. Bye. All right, there goes Augusto. There, and by the way, Kevin, he has our schedule down perfectly, which I always appreciate. Mondays and Thursdays is when we record, which means your podcasts are usually out Monday night and Thursday night, and definitely available on Tuesday morning and Friday morning. So that's when you can always get those. But yeah, I mean, here you go—the perfect way to start the season, Kevin. When did we hear anything? Anybody even murmur the word "perfect" last year? It wasn't perfect. It was it was bad from the start. Yeah, it was bad from the 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 day that AJ De La Garza was traded. Um, yeah, I mean you you kind of talked about it in in the open. It, things are better. Um, there has been measurable progress. And uh, as you said to me earlier today, they've already won one third as many games as they did last year at home, yep. and we've only played one. Yep, that's right. I also want to pull out my uh, my fact of the week. For everybody listening, I don't know if this will be a thing, but it certainly is a thing right now. Fact of the week, Kevin, the 2018 LA Galaxy have now tied a franchise record for the most points after one game. They, they, they tie it with the 1996, the 2000, the 2002, the 2004, the 2010, the 2011, the 2013, the 2015, 2016. That, that's all the teams that have had a win on their first game. But, yes. but yes. the last team that won the MLS Cup, the aforementioned Baja Husic uh, Bradford Jameson team, 
they lost their first game. In fact, I think it's right. We talked about this earlier. Yes. The last four MLS champions, right, lost their opening game. So is this a bad sign or a good sign? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I think it was. You have to go back to Sporting Kansas City was the last team to win their first game in 2013 and then hoist the MLS Cup. I go even deeper, Kevin. The last team to win their season opener, which also occurred at home. So their very first game was not only the home opener, it was their season opener, and then hoist the MLS Cup was the 2008 Columbus Crew coached by Mr. Siggy Schmidt. Where did that MLS Cup take place, Kevin? A little place called the Home Depot Center, which is now StubHub Center, where Columbus Crew beat the New York Red Bulls. I like it. You went deep for that one. Did you? I, I I stumbled across it, to be honest with you. I kept searching for that after we talked about it. I went back and looked. But there you go. You want some synergy right there? There's some synergy. Siggy Schmidt, Columbus Crew, 2008, Home Depot. That's all. That was the very first MLS Cup I ever went to, by the way. That was it. I was there. I was in the stadium. So anyway, that's just uh, fun with stats. But uh, yeah, it, I don't. It, it means nothing. That's basically. I think. I think we've determined it means nothing, right, Kevin? But you know, again, it, it, the idea of it's early in the season. Um, there's still a lot of things that can happen. But um, you know, it, after the, what the galaxy went through last year, I mean, you know, I, I I see online all the people complaining it wasn't good enough. This guy played bad. This guy, you know what? If we had said in the middle of last season, hey, there's going to be a two to one win over over Portland Timbers at home, and and it's going to be a sellout crowd, and and the team's going to play reasonably well. Uh, we would have taken that in a heartbeat. So let's enjoy it. It's one game into the season. Let's not, uh, you know, get ready to slit our throats just yet. Everything is going well. Team is undefeated okay. at, home. at home. A third as many wins as they had at home last year. Things are good. There's no reason that we have to rain on our own parade at this point. <laughs> Things are good. All right. Uh, let's go to uh, David in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. David calls in. Here you go. Hey, Josh. It's uh, David from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, just just heard the final whistle from the game, watched the entire thing. A lot of things I like, but I'm actually going to stick on the things I don't like. Um, Felcher, absolutely killing you. The guy looks like a donkey on the ball. He looks super awkward. He, he's making easy passes look super difficult. He's having a tough time keeping up with defenders on the on that right flank. He's even having trouble staying in front of Fernando Adi. Really not liking him. Wondering if even Clement is even going to get a chance, but considering the one, I don't think it's going to be a possibility. Also, Gio is driving up a wall. So many chances that he just absolutely let go to waste. I, you know, Sebastian Jack came in and made a bigger difference than he did in the first 10 minutes of him touching the ball than Gio did the first 70. Um, you know, I just feel like it's the same old song and dance with Gio. Anyway, good one for us. Glad we were able to hang on. Um, yeah, stay, stay warm out there. Thanks, Josh. All right, there we go. I, th- Wait, I, I he's in South Dakota, and he's telling us to stay warm. Yeah, well, I think it was it was ironically he was saying that. Okay, All right, I did send him. He did order a corner of the galaxy scarf, so we're at least keeping him warm a little bit more. That's that millennial stuff, right? Like ir- irony. I I don't. I'm too old to get that. <laughs> Just sarcasm. I mean, isn't it is- ironic? Don't you think? <laughs> no. A little bit ironic. Have you seen? Oh man, what is the name of the net, the '90s Netflix show that's on right now? I can't believe it. I'll try to look it up. I've been watching it. I watched the whole first season. I enjoyed it because it was the '90s. And granted, that was a little bit 
later. I graduated high school in 99, so I, I fit in there pretty well. So Wow, I, I hate you even more now. There you go. I figured you'd enjoy that. Uh, but I thought I'd play David's calls because you were just calling for positivity, so I wanted to make sure I got all the negativity out uh, after that. Uh, David doesn't like Giovanni Dos Santos. That's, it's a common theme. We've already touched on it. Uh, this is going to be a common theme, quite honestly, until he does something that is worthy of praise it's it's just not going to happen and i think he has played okay in the preseason so this is just again a big stage where giovanni dos santos doesn't show up and was not a help to his team on the field which is again disappointing this is something the galaxy will have to address now i also heard kevin which i think is interesting fun and of course something that we need to talk about is i heard that uh, that papa dos santos was in the crowd and was not very happy when giovanni dos santos got subbed off in the 70th minute for sebastian legit we predicted this didn't we we predicted that he was going to make his his hand felt in this whole thing and that he was going to uh, try to put some pressure on the team. I mean, that's kind of been his MO all along. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But I'm also interested in knowing where is all this hatred for Giovanni Dos Santos coming from? And, and, and by that, I mean, we just talked about Felcher did not play a good game. I don't hear anyone talking about sending Felcher out and getting rid of Felcher and how terrible he is. Um, it, it seems like Gio is a real lightning rod uh, for criticism, no matter what he does. If he has a bad game like he did, then everyone wants to run him out of town. If he has a good game, then it's like, well, what do you expect? He's supposed to do that. Yeah. It seems like he can't catch a break. And and why is that? Is it because he, he's getting the most money? Is it because he came in and he's a Mexican national team star? And and I don't mean racism, but just the fact that, you know, the Mexican national team, the U.S. national team, there's a little bit of animosity if you're a fan of one or the other. Is there um, a little bit of that uh, part of it? Is it because he came in sort of as the pretty boy um, and just hasn't delivered. Why is there so much? Why is it that Giovanni Dos Santos can just never do right, no matter what happens? Well, I, I think he can do right if he plays. And here's the thing: is when in Galaxy Land have has Giovanni Dos Santos lived up to his billing? Uh, even the even the year that he came in and, and played with Robbie Keane, and we talked about how you can't play Robbie Keane and Giovanni Dos Santos at the same time, and I think Gio ended up scoring like 12 goals and 13 assists or something like that. Had a really nice year. Even if you go back and watch those games, you're not thoroughly impressed with those numbers because a lot of those come in lopsided wins. A lot of those come in games that were already decided. So there's some of that that I think that he's just never lived up to the billing. The other thing is that the Galaxy were so horrible last year. They needed somebody who they could, you know, ride on the shoulders of, somebody who could try to, you know, force them to be better than what they were. And, and Roman Alessandrini ended up being that guy. But it should have been Giovanni Dos Santos to pick up the team and carry him. And, and He's not that player. I don't think he's ever been that player anywhere in his club career. So maybe the Galaxy just got a dud here. The problem is, and the reason that he, in my mind, deserves more criticism than anybody else, one is because um, he's the highest paid player on the LA Galaxy team at $5.5 million. He is the number one designated player there. He's supposed to be the superstar. He's supposed to be the guy who leads the Galaxy onto the field, who's scoring goals, who's creating chances. And I've seen little flashes of that every once in a while, but there's never this sustained you know, uh, effort and, and, and goodness from, from Giovanni Dos Santos. You're not seeing that from game to game to game. Flash here, flash there, disappeared, gone. And people would say the same thing about Landon Donovan, that Landon Donovan had a, had a, had a tendency of disappearing in games. But in the big moments, Landon Donovan was usually there. And that's what you don't see with Giovanni Dos Santos. In the big moments, what? he's not there. 
Well, let me say, when Gio came over, and this was the previous coaching staff, but when Gio came over, one of the things I noticed is that he seemed to wear out his welcome fairly rapidly. He moved, If you look at his, at his resume, he moves from team to team to team, and it seems to be most of the time it's two years or less that he spends with the team. Now, here's a guy that um, – you know, was part of Mexico's golden generation in, in that uh, 2005 uh, U-17 World Cup where he played with Vela and some others. And this was, you know, he was uh, the, the golden boy from very early age. Why would a guy with this much talent and this much upside that everyone agrees he has phenomenal talent, why would he keep moving around? And one of the things that some people on the, on the uh, last coaching staff told me is that they never thought that he was a winner. They looked at that too and said, guy with a lot of talent, why doesn't he stick? Uh, and I think that they were seeing some of the things that you're talking about, that he doesn't rise in in the big moments, that he's, yeah, he'll score a lot of goals, but in one-sided games, that they didn't feel like he was a winner, a guy that could lift, as you said, lift the team on, a sh- on his shoulders and carry it. And maybe that's what we're seeing. I mean, maybe if the Galaxy are winning some games three or four to nothing, maybe that's when he'll show up. But, um, you know, it was a two-to-one game. It was tight right to the end. And when it ended, he was on the sidelines rather than trying to close it out. That, to me, is is a big uh, a big deal, too. I mean, maybe let's just say you take out Ola Kamara for an, an extra defender if you're trying to protect the lead. That didn't happen. But I'm saying you can sort of understand why that might happen. But a guy like Giovanni Dos Santos, your designated player um, you know, in, in the midfield, a guy that's supposed to also play a little bit of defense occasionally – uh, and so they're trying to close out a two to one win and, and they take him out for the final 20 minutes. That's a real indictment, I think. It, it can be. And I will be the first one to say that whenever he does well, that, that I will put praise upon him. I mean, he should be. That's any player. I mean, listen, I know there are people, I, I, David was not high on Felcher. I thought Felcher played okay. I'll tell you who I thought had a very good game. Siani had a very good game. You know why? Because that was the perfect matchup. We may not have solved the center back conundrum yet, Kevin. Daniel Starez could play in New York City because Michael Siani might not be the best fit going against New York City, but against Portland, against Fernando Adi, this giant of a man, those two battled physically all night. Very enjoyable to see, and it was big body. Their, 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 physical, their physical similarities there, um, you know, make it a good matchup. That was the right matchup, and Siani did what he was supposed to do. The entire defense Defense really limited Adi's chances. That's what you want from them. Felcher is going to be slow. He's not able to cover quick people. So wait till you play a quick team. That's going to be a Felcher issue that's going to be even bigger than it was uh, in Portland. But people are going to be able to get around him. They're going to be able to get to the touchline. It's about people tracking back and covering for him when that happens. Perry Kitchen is, was really good about that, was covering spaces when people were out of position. Um, you know, you saw the defense able to mold and hold shape. So overall, I think that those guys did a pretty good job. I'm not a huge fan of Felcher so far. I want to see more from Rolf, but I also understand that this was one of his better games. You need to give them praise whenever they do well, and then you can criticize when they do poorly. Siani, Felcher, Shelvick, Cole did, I thought, more than enough on the night to make sure the Galaxy won that game. Here's why Siani starts, I think, in New York, because it's the narrowest field in MLS, and I think you want a big body in the middle there to clog things up in a narrow field. I understand what you're saying. The matchup may not be as good, but just his size alone, I think uh, the, the physical presence on that small field makes him extra valuable. Yeah, very well could. And and again, I, but I'm saying that it may be more situational than we're realizing. It's not just going to be about who's the best player. It's the best player for the best situation. We need to look at that a little bit closer. At least in my mind, that's what I'm going to look at a little bit closer. Uh, let's get to uh, Jose in Southgate. He called in as well. Hi, this is Jose from Southgate. 
And don't call it a comeback, because we've been here for years. Man, that was great seeing the Galaxy play today. Just a quick question. That back line and uh, with David uh, being, um, uh, they look like a little confused, a little disordered. I'm not sure if this need to be replaced a player or change players out and and out and, and keep trying things until they figure things out, or do they just need time? Um, I'll be listening for uh, your answers in the podcast. Thank you. All right, Kevin, the the defense there, is it is it just a matter of them needing time or is there some player additions or subtractions that you think you're eventually going to see there? No, I think that I think that the the squad they have is good and it's deep against Eris, you know, on the bench and Romney on the bench. I really like those two guys. I think they're good players. Um Bingham is a good go- is a good goalkeeper. I do think that the communication between a goalkeeper and the back line is something that gets overlooked a lot. If you're ever down on the sidelines, uh, either at a scrimmage or even at a practice, uh, the goalkeeper is kind of like the quarterback. I mean, he's screaming at everyone. He's trying to line people up. And if you don't understand what he, the terminology that he uses or what he wants you to do or where he wants his center backs to go, for example, that could be very confusing. And so um, I know they've had a preseason. They should be better at this. I think they will continue to get better. Um, the Galaxy have a new goalkeeper coach. He's really good. He's the guy that turned Andre Blake around in Philadelphia. Uh, I have a lot of confidence in those guys. I thought Bingham, again, was, uh, you know, was he perfect? No. I thought he was better than he was in the preseason. I still think that that's a work in progress. Um, and, and as he gets more comfortable with his back line, again, you know, I, Steris was the one that was starting, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was starting in most of the preseason games, so all of a sudden Felcher's in the middle, so you have a new center-back combination to work with. Um, I, I think it'll get better as they go forward. I think that they just need time, and I think that this this game was a good one for, for Bingham. I think he, he, yeah, he did give up one soft goal, but other than that, he faced a, you know, a lot of shots. There were a lot of shots, not necessarily on goal, but there were a lot of shots that Portland had, and... I think it was a confidence booster for him. I expect that he's going to be even better in New York. Yeah, yeah, he could be, and and that's something to keep an eye on. And certainly New York, it's more of a goalkeeper's uh, park with it being so narrow and such a tiny little postage stamp. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes down. All right, let's go to our last call. Kevin, this one comes from KJ in Lancaster, and I'll put it in there because the first part of the call somehow got cut off KJ, but I uh, I, I saw KJ, and, and she had two of her kids with her. She came by to say hi at halftime, but they called in because, Kevin, they want to make sure that you hear this specifically. All right, so here's KJ from Lan- Lancaster. Lancaster. We were at the game last night. It was cool. We wish the Galaxy would take down the stupid towers that they have on the end lines because they're horrible. But more importantly, Christopher has a joke for Kevin. Nice and loud. Let's go. Come on, dude. What did the wolf say when he got hurt? So if you didn't hear it, what did the wolf say when he got hurt? What did he say, buddy? Oh! All right, guys. Have a good day. There we get there, Kevin. That was that was your joke. What did the wolf say when he got hurt? That was for you. That was good. That was good. Uh, I I think we could uh, uh, budding comedy writer there, someone for SNL in the future. Christopher but, also Christopher also had one for me at halftime, which I am now going to share with you, Kevin. Um, what kind of what kind of bees make milk? I have no idea. Boobies. There you go. 
<laughs> so there we go. There's there, see we're that's a my kind of humor. I was gonna say that's right up here. That was also from Christopher. He told me that one that one at halftime. So there you go. Uh, that's that's what we got for the calls. I know we're going a little off track. It's normal for us. That's how we. That's how it works here, especially on Monday nights. Especially when I'm only working on four hours of sleep, Kevin. So it's it's all loopy. Everything's blurring together. We'll either go for like 25 minutes tonight or like four hours. It'll be one of the two. Uh, let's go. There's a lot of listener questions, so I feel like we sort of have to jump into that, uh, and start doing and start hitting on some of those. So let's go to an email to start off. And this is from Larry. Larry writes in, uh, not Larry who writes for COG, by the way, this is Larry from Sierra Madre. Uh, this Larry has a Twitter account. This, he, he might No, He, this was an email, so you don't know. He, he might not have an, have a Twitter account. Uh, Larry writes that he says, hi, Josh, uh, just love the show. It helps me make my 50 minute commute to work much more bearable. Uh, I wanted to know your opinion and Kevin Baxter's incidentally, he has a question for you, Kevin. He goes, why is that guy doing LAFC reports? Isn't he the senior writer? Why is Steve Galuso the reporter for the galaxy? Maybe you need a new co-host. See, they're already trying to replace you. You go on <laughs> one trip and they're trying to replace you. Well, and- I, I can tell I can tell them why Steve Galuso was there because a guy that I wanted to do the game report, a guy by the name of Josh Gessman, wimped out and decided not to do it. Didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. Too much too much stress, man. Come on. This is supposed to be fun for me. There's like deadlines and stuff like that. You know I don't have a deadline. Come on. Uh, let's see. He, he asked. He goes, I, I like that. He did call me a senior writer, though. The, I'm taking, <laughs> taking that one to the house. He That's meant, good. He meant your age. He meant like oh. senior as an age. So um, Yeah, I got my AARP card right here. There you go. Uh, this is his question. He says, uh, who do you think will score more goals this season? Ramon Alessandrini, Giovanni Dos Santos, or the curveball, Giossi Zardes? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going to go with Zardes. He's uh, already got one on the board, too. He does. Uh, Ramon Alessandrini also has one on the board, so they're tied yeah. there. Uh, I think I'm going to throw out Giovanni Dos Santos as scoring the most goals, although... He's perfectly capable of doing it, so I'm going to say that it's going to be Ramon Alessandrini. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be close between Giassi's artists and Ramon Alessandrini. Well, here, here's why I take Giassi, because he is the focus of that offense now, and I really do believe that he the change of scenery is going to help him. It did in the preseason. It did in the first game. I think Ola Kamara is going to score a ton of goals. I think Alessandrini is going to have a lot of assists. I, I, I'm thinking Kamara is going to score 17, 18 goals. Um, and it, you know, if he does that, there's just not a whole lot more goals to go around. I, I, I kind of get Alessandrini right around 10 goals, maybe 15 or more assists. Right. I think Kamara is going to be the, the, the focus of the offense and, and the way that they're lining up tells me that as well. So I, I like Jossie's artist to score more goals. And you know what you talked about? Um, Ziggy had in 2008 won the MLS cup with Columbus at the Stubbub center, then the home Depot center. What if he goes back and plays Columbus in Columbus because they have the better record and wins the MLS Cup there with the Galaxy in Columbus against Giassi's artists? That would be pretty cool. That would be fun. Let's. It's a good story. I like it. Wouldn't be, especially being it's probably Columbus's last season in Columbus. So that would be interesting as well, just to have an MLS Cup there uh, at the original soccer-specific stadium. Uh, let's stick with Kamara though. You you talked about it, Jose at Pele Navarro. Uh, seven, he says, Kamara is clearly and gladly our guy up front, but if and when it's time to time uh, for uh, fatigue or rotation, who steps up? Who is that person, Kevin? There is no person. There is no person. You, you have uh, if BJ comes back, you know he could be he could be that person. Uh, Ari Lasseter. Everyone's been waiting, you know, for Ari Lasseter. But interesting enough, they signed uh, uh, Ephraim. This weekend at 15 years old, I don't know that they're actually expecting him to take over for 
Kamara, that would be sort of a little bit of a stretch. But I think that was almost an admission of we need somebody that if has to run on for 15 minutes, uh, you know, as a as a striker, that we have to have somebody there. I don't know. Does Geo push up and do that? I I think from the first game performance, probably not. Probably wouldn't have a lot of confidence in him doing that. But th- that is a position where they. Last year they had nobody because Jossie just wasn't performing and ended the season at right back. This year they have somebody but nobody behind them. Yeah, there's there, there's nobody there. Uh, hey, now, I know who it could be. Who? Zlatan. Zlatan. Oh my goodness, Zlatan Ibrahim. You got you got in trouble, or at least you got some flack on uh, on the social medias whenever you said I did. whenever you I said did. the Galaxy don't need Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Well, here's my thinking on that, and I, and I took a lot of crap for it, and and deservedly so. I know he's one of the best players of all time, and I know he he almost led the Premier League in scoring, and and might have it had he not got injured. But you know what? He did get injured, and he hasn't played since then. And he got injured again, and he's looking a lot like Robbie Keane. Uh, those 36 year old legs are proving to be very heavy. Um, so I don't know that you know. I, I talked to Chris Klein about this, and Chris Klein just laughed me out of the room when I when I mentioned that. I thought. Zlatan would be the Alan Gordon coming off the bench. And his thing was like, first of all, if he comes over, we're going to be paying him so much, he's going to have to play. And secondly, you don't put him on the bench. He plays. But I just think he comes in. And now, maybe maybe this works because Gio is going to be so bad that they need to do something. And Gio goes to the bench. Papa Dos Santos gets pissed off. And Zlatan comes in and, and plays as a, uh, you know, as a second striker. And it all works out. But if Gio can, can can play at all, I really like the lineup they have, and I really, really, really like the locker room because it's so – after last year's implosion uh, and all the bickering that went on in the locker room, it's nice to see these guys on the same page. I just I'm, I just fear Zlatan comes in and messes it all up, and if he's, you know, again, with these heavy 36-year-old legs, if he's not the kind of guy that he was for Manchester United last year before he got hurt twice – What's the upside? I mean, what what are they getting? Uh, yes, it helps the Galaxy because it, they they get back their mojo. They're the guys that always brought in the big European players, the Steven Gerrards and the Robbie Keens and the David Beckhams. That's always been the M.O. of the Galaxy, and Science Laton would bring that back and bring back that energy. But I just question whether it brings it brings a whole lot on the field at the risk of disrupting everything they have right now. And and I, I realize that that's a minority opinion, and there's a really good chance, probably a you know, very likely chance that I'm completely wrong in all of that. <laughs> but that's just my gut right now. Yeah, that and Dom Dwyer. So uh, we'll, we'll, all, right. we'll remember those forever, that's for sure. All right. And, like I said, that's just my gut feeling. And as you know, I've got a Ziggy Schmidt starter kit going on in my gut right now. So that's a pretty big feeling. I, I understand. I understand. Uh, let's talk real quickly before we get back to some questions. I wanted to hit a couple Galaxy news items. Uh, we have two injuries right now that we're sort of keeping an eye on. Actually, three. You can talk about Bradford Jameson, uh, the fourth, with his concussion recovery. Uh, you have Joel Pedro with his injury update. Uh, I saw, and then and we have Roman Alessandrini and an injury update from there. Uh, we can start, uh, you know, with Bradford Jamison. That continues, I think, to just progress. Um, so I, I don't know that there's been any setbacks. I don't know there's been any progress, but that's more long-term, so it's not necessarily a pressing issue that we have to sort of update every week. We will start to know whenever he's getting closer and closer because he'll start training with the club, and right now I don't believe that I saw him out there for training uh, whenever I was out there on Saturday. And I Well, he's think- basically jogging, right. which... 
sounds like it's not a progress, but it's huge progress because for more than a month, he wasn't even allowed to look at a treadmill, much less run around or get on a treadmill. So the fact that he's even doing light jogging is a huge improvement. Yep. And so then you go to Joao Pedro, who is also doing some jogging, uh, saw him out on Saturday jogging before the team was or while the team was training, he was off jogging to the side. So Joao Pedro getting better, um, I, I guess. I mean... <laughs> It's it's one of those things. I don't even know if Siggy Schmidt knows Zoe Pedro's on no, the team anymore. He, he's in a mansion-sized doghouse. I don't know if he'll ever get out of this doghouse he's in. Um, it, there's just uh, it it's not looking good for the Jal Pedro Marching and Chowder Society. I don't know if we're going to see number eighty-eight on the field anytime soon. Yeah, it's again, it's 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 interesting. Um, that was a left hamstring injury for Joel Pedro, and now we have a right hamstring strain. That was according to the Fox Sports uh, crew who's doing it. John Strong, play-by-play announcer, great guy, a great voice for American soccer as well. Um, I'm super jealous of of uh, of the success that he has had and and just his voice as an American soccer announcer is awesome. Anyway, that's aside, my little man crush on John Strong aside. Uh, he announced that it was a right hamstring strain that came from the LA Galaxy's coaching staff and the training staff on the field during the game. Uh, it doesn't seem like that has changed. Uh, there are obviously different grades of strains, Kevin, but you you heard a little bit of something, right? Well, I talked to a Galaxy person today, and I'm not going to mention his name because I'm not uh, absolutely sure whether this was told to me in confidence or whether it was told uh, to me to use, but I believe that it's true. Well, I know that's true. Um, that they don't believe the injury is serious, that they don't think Alessandrini will be out long, um, but they did say that he would be out. So I don't expect him to play in New York for a couple of reasons. One is if he went to New York, he would have to sit in a plane for 12 hours over a three-day period. I just don't know that that's a good thing to do with any kind of leg issue. So I kind of think he's out for that one. You'd mentioned that maybe he won't even play in the third game, uh, which is Vancouver because it's on a carpet. There are two weeks between New York and, and Vancouver, so they may want to use him in that game, uh, if not bring him back you know, for LAFC, which would be back at StubHub on the grass. Um, the thing with these leg injuries and, and uh, with quads especially and, and hamstrings too is they linger. So if you don't get it 100% back to normal, 100% healed, it'll bite you again. It'll If it's you know just not quite right – It'll come back at the worst time when you uh, on a cold night when you try to uh, to make a quick start or uh, you try to cut quickly. It'll come back. So I think the Galaxy are going to look at this and say, we got some depth in midfield. It's one area where we have a lot of people. Um, you know, Sebastian is is pretty fit now. Can probably go close to 90 minutes, if not 90 minutes. Why press it? We want R- Ramon Alessandrini to be playing in April and May and June. We don't necessarily need him for the second game of the season. So I would be surprised if he traveled to New York. Uh, and, and like you said, with the, the carpet coming up, may not even play in that Vancouver game, but he does have the benefit of that two-week international break, and that's going to help him a lot. Yeah, it should. All right, let's go back to uh, listener questions. That's obviously going to be on everybody's mind. Uh, follow both of us on Twitter, at KBaxter11, at Galaxy Podcast. We'll do our best to update you on injuries whenever we get that information. Uh, just so that we know, it's not as simple as picking up the phone and making a telephone call to find out what injuries are. It usually takes some finagling in order to get that information. Uh, let's see. Here's one from John. John writes in and uh, he says, which front office treats Kevin better? The Galaxy or, in John's words, the, the GOATS 2.0? That would be LAFC, Kevin. I need to translate for you sometimes. Yeah. Well, I was with the uh, LAFC fans, which are different from the front office. I'll answer that question in a minute. But just because of the GOATS thing, they had a march to the match, which was actually pretty cool. And the Seattle uh, Sounders people 
really did a great job. They had security out there and that the security stayed out of the way until some Sounders fans started to look like they were going to try to mix it up. And then the security came and took care of everything. But one of the chants the Sounders fans uh, had was something to the effect of welcome Chivas, which they shouted at the LAFC uh, March to the match as they went by, which I thought was, was pretty creative. Uh, as far as which front office treats me um, better, <laughs> neither one. They both hate me like poison. Um, it is just, it is really, I, I was actually hoping to play one against the other and find some place where I would be welcome, but that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> you, you played yourself into a hole in both places. Congratulations. The LA Kings are nice to me. Maybe I should just become a hockey writer. Maybe Maybe that's your thing. Uh, another at LAG Faithful. Uh, he asks, and I know you can answer this question because it's an easy one for you. Is Kevin a Galaxy fan or an LAFC fan? I am neither. I am a sports writer. I am independent. Um, I do not cheer for either side. I try to study both sides. I try to be fair in reporting to, on both sides. I'm And I'm critical on both sides. I found out yesterday, this was interesting, a couple years ago, you may remember, I wrote a story about MLS attendance figures and how the numbers that they report bear absolutely no resemblance to the actual number of people in the stadium. Um, and just as an aside, MLS had called and threatened to take up the issue with my boss because they didn't like the negative tone of the story. It was a negative tone. It was an honest story. Anyway, the point is, one day they called and threatened me. The next day they called back and said that they weren't going to do anything because they had checked all the numbers and they, I was 100% accurate. But what I found out yesterday is that story led to a memo coming from the league office distributed to all the teams and how to handle pesky reporters asking about attendance figures in the future. So kind of like the Beckham rule, there's apparently a Baxter rule that has to do with attendance now in MLS. And I'm actually kind of proud of that. You should be. By the way, the LA Galaxy have uh, lowered their sellout number again. So uh, that was fun. 25,462 apparently is a new sellout number. I have no, this is stuff that drives me crazy. They announced it and we all just laughed in the press box. We're like, okay, sure. Uh, it was used to be, I think, 25,662. Uh, now it's 20, 25,400. So they lost 200 seats somewhere. Uh, I don't know where those 200 seats are. I don't know where they came from. I thought it was 27,000 at one point was the sellout. I remember AC Milan came in and the announced attendance was like 30 or 31,000. So yeah, hey, whatever. I just... Well, and the Chargers... Uh use a completely different number in the same stadium with the same number of seats. But you're not the only one to notice this because when the game came on in the press box in Seattle yesterday, a couple of Seattle people, as soon as the game came on and they looked up and you couldn't see the crowd or anything, you just see the game and they they both said at the same time, Galaxy got a sellout. Yeah. So the, the the attendance figure is decided, I think, Wednesday probably. And it, then they, it, they just pick a number out of a hat. It very well could. Just don't at me with this stuff. I don't need your I don't need your social media comments asking me about attendance. I just it's not something I care about anymore. Um, I, I will report the number that they give me, and until they let me count all the seats, then that's it. I don't. It's it's not an issue. Kevin, you gonna come down to count the seats with me when they let us? Uh, I I just count the eyeballs and then divide. And that's how <laughs> divide I by up. three. But you know, I mean. It, what MLS counts, and, and other sports leagues do this too, but MLS seems to really, really uh, pad the numbers. What they do is they count tickets distributed. So, for example, if you've sold 18,000 tickets and the stadium holds 25,000, you can distribute 7,000. You can give them to radio stations. You can go down to the mall, hand them out. You can drop them from a helicopter. You can do whatever. As long as you somehow distribute those tickets, you can claim an attendance of 25,000 tickets distributed. That's what they measure. Um, Major League Baseball is the only one that I know of that actually t accounts 
lots of tickets sold. And that's still, if you look up attendance in the dictionary, it's how many people attended an event. Even baseball, that's not attendance. They don't give you the old style turn, uh, the old school turnstile counts anymore. How many people were actually in the building? Um, it, with Galaxy and MLS, it's tickets distributed. The Kings do the same thing. They claim they have something like 300 straight sellouts. Um, that is a joke that many people in the NHL will tell you about because if the if uh, late in the afternoon, if it's not a sellout, the Kings just run out and start distributing tickets. So. Um, you have to take all that with a grain of salt, and I think that's why a lot of reporters now go to say an announced crowd of because the numbers bear no resemblance to reality. Yeah, it is. All right, let's uh, let's rapid fire through some of these, and then I have a feeling we can get into one at the end here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cameron writes in with a question that's not a question. Why do I have a feeling that this season Geo will replicate last year's Geossi's last season? Uh, for example, creating a timer of how long he hasn't scored. Uh, I don't know why you feel that way, Cameron. It sounds like a personal issue that you need to, to sort of figure out and, and sit there. Um, I, I don't know. Is, is there a question there, Kevin? Am I just being an English Nazi on this one? Um, I, I'm not really sure. But I think the point is, is he going to be like Giassi? And um, again, I would go back to what I said earlier. I thought, you know, at the first half of the season, Gio was going to be really focused in. And if this is how he starts trying to impress Juan Carlos Osorio 10 days before a call-up, uh, if the galaxy are in big trouble. All right, uh, let's. We're gonna more rapid fire. Here we go. Uh, Joseph writes in. Jay says he says. Uh, was there anyone that you were surprised to see not in match and not in the match day eighteen? Uh, yes. Who you already mentioned them? Silvestre. Oh well, Sylvester. Yeah, that was it. That was. But we already said that one. That one was. That was fun. That was it. All right. Next. Next question. Uh, Cameron gets a, uh, a another question, and basically he just asked for any timetable on Alessandrini and Joel Pedro's injuries. I think both of those are sort of wait and sees right now. Uh, but it sounds like Alessandrini isn't going to be out for six months. Uh, maybe it's a couple weeks. Maybe it's three weeks. And maybe that's just fine for the Galaxy on some of this, right? If you want to see Joel Pedro, I guess you go see Galaxy too. Ooh. I don't know if Siggy would remember to transfer him down there. That's the problem. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even think he has Joel's number anymore. That's 88. How, that's 88. 88. <laughs> yeah. He's the tight end looking guy. Are you sure it's not 58 or 8? It's one of those numbers. There's definitely an 8 in it. All right. Uh, let's see. IE Galaxy says, uh, Kevin needs to say this joke. All right, Kevin. This is your line. Repeat after me. Uh, guess what Ashley Cole's daughter's name is? Guess what Ashley Cole's daughter's name is? And then I say, what? And you say, Chelsea. Chelsea. See, that's the, I told you, people are writing jokes for you now. Um, <sighs> Apparently, they okay, don't think I, you're funny. I, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I know. I'm missing the punchline here. Did Chelsea, because he played Cole. for Chelsea? Because he, he played for Chelsea? Well, I, I understand that's, that. But that's but it. That's it. That actually, was... there's a the barista at my local Starbucks is named Chelsea, and she insists that her parents were soccer fans and named her after the team. Interesting. I don't know if that's true or not. That's I, what she says. I, that's what she says. In-depth article coming in the LA Times soon. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much better would it be if the Galaxy replaced Geo's minutes with Legette? 1 to it, 10. It, it could come to that. I mean, I, I don't want to go there. I, I don't want to go there just yet. Because I, know. I, still, I yet. still think the World Cup is lingering out there. But um, I mean, it, it could definitely come to that because at some point when – Sebastian is totally fit, and Alessandrini's back. You're going to have to say, are we better with Boateng in there? Are we better there with Gio in there? And uh, that could be a uh, topic for some long discussions with the Galaxy coaching staff. That came from Justin, by the way. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting on a scale of 1 to 10. And by the way, uh, Justin says it's going to be 10. 
uh, a scale of one to ten. So I, I, that works. Uh, all right. But uh, the, the problem with that, just quickly, the problem with that is Boateng is much better off the bench and much better at changing the complexion of a game than I think Gio would be. Um, so, I mean, and, and that sounds ridiculous. So uh, am I saying play a guy 90 minutes because, and keep the better guy on the bench? No, but I am saying that sometimes when um, it's late in the game and you need to change the complexion of the game, speed it up, or, 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 or somehow change the way uh, the two teams are playing, you bring someone like Boateng off the bench, it changes things. Geo doesn't have the ability to do that, I don't think. Okay. Uh, let's see. We'll go to the next one. This one's from MLS Ireland, uh, our Irish uh, followers here. Uh, they say, do you think the introduction of Kamara has given the Galaxy more confidence, or do you see this as a good result that result like that just didn't happen last season enough? So basically what they're asking is, uh, has is the reason for the Galaxy uh, being successful against Portland simply a Kamara issue, or did they just not get these types of results last year and it's a more of a team thing? I think it's more of a team thing, but I do think he gives them a ton of confidence because they wasted so many opportunities last year. And the other thing they, they, they used to do last year was everybody would look for that perfect pass because they just didn't feel like there was any finishing up front. And they wasted a lot of opportunities. There were a lot of extra passes that allowed the defense to catch up. They blew a lot of opportunities. I think they have a ton of confidence in Kamara. And I think the feeling is, especially with Ziggy wanting to play the ball out of the back, is get the ball out of the back, get it to the midfield, have the midfielder get it up front, somebody, Kamara, and he's going to score. And um, the fact that he got a goal in the first game just feeds that. I think there's a ton of confidence. And I think that is going to infuse the whole team that, look, if we just get the ball up there, if we do our job and get the ball to Ola, he's going to score more times than not. All right, let's go to. I'm not going to add anything on this unless I think that you're being ridiculous. And so far, despite me thinking obviously otherwise, you have been more than reasonable. So wow, I know I'm usually ridiculous. Yeah, I know. That's why I, I can't believe it either. It's it's one. Of, it's the first a miracle of March that we've had. Uh, let's see. Uh, Warner Ramirez. Uh, he says I'll be at the game this coming Sunday at Yankee Stadium. Question is. If Roman is out for Sunday, does Leggett start, or do you start Pontius and move Gio to the right, or even start Baggio on the right? And he says, I would love to see Dubois start. He would love to see Sebastian Leggett. What are the chances that Leggett starts at Yankee Stadium, Kevin Baxter? I think he does, and I talked to him before the opening of the season, and he admitted that he was not 90 minutes fit yet, but he said he was really, really close, and th- and he thought he uh, he wanted to go out and give it a shot. He wanted to try to play 90 minutes. I think Sebastian starts. Uh, I think, again, talking about guys coming off the bench and how they change the complexion of the game, I think he starts Sebastian. I know it's a little bit of a gamble. If he can't go 90 minutes, you might wind up using two substitutes, um, you know, in a chan- trying to replace him. But then again, if you bring him off the bench and he can't go, you use two substitutes too. So um, I think he starts. I think he plays 60, 60 60-plus minutes, and especially if the Galaxy are leading, then I think Pontius comes in to close it out. There you go. You finally said something stupid, so now I can get in there. All right. No, he's not going to start. If anything, he goes 45. Maybe he gets a substituted at the half. I think they're going to start Pontius in there. I don't think Siggy Schmidt cares enough about the second game of the season to worry about traveling all the way across the country and then forcing Sebastian Legette into a starting role where he'd have to play at least 45 minutes. What you can do is you can put Pontius in there, see how it goes. You have Pontius and Boateng. You can sort of play those two off of each other and then figure out who needs the sub. You can bring in Sebastian Legette in that second half and give him 30 minutes. Remember, he didn't even get 30 minutes in this Portland game. He got 20 minutes. So in my mind, you make the one sub and you can sort of play it by ear of who you're going to sub for and 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 you're happy 
You're but happy you there. said you thought he looked really good. Yes, he I played did. 20 minutes, but he looked yeah, really good for those did. 20 minutes. So why not triple that and have him look really good for 60 minutes? <laughs> exactly, it makes perfect sense math-wise. I just I, I think Siggy Schmidt, uh, in his heart of hearts, even though he gets excited by the prospect of Sebastian Legette being fully healthy, fully fit, knows that Sebastian Legette is not fully healthy, fully fit yet. We're getting there. People want to rush it. Siggy's not going to rush it. He is too Well, here's another reason why I think, because I think <laughs> Sebastian Jet slots into Alessandrini's role in the lineup. He does the same things Alessandrini does. He can play on that wing. I And that way you don't have to adjust the team. I think bringing Pontius in, there's some more adjustments that happen. Yep. I'm going to say I think Sebastian starts. I like, and, I, and you're going to be wrong I, again. I like, I, what else is new? That's that, that wouldn't be the first time, not even today. Uh, I want to throw in this last one. Uh, at CR7 for president says, don't have a question, but I have a statement. Perry Kitchen is a beast. And I have no comment because that is a factual statement, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Uh, Let's see. Two more. This one is good. I like it because it's controversial. And then we'll get to the very controversial one. Uh, How does Chris Klein react to seeing Gio benched on national TV with Garber sitting next to him? It had to be done, in my opinion. Do you think Chris Klein cares that Giovanni Dos Santos got pulled off in the 70th minute? It's not good. The optics are not good. I don't think he cares. They're winning the game. I think he's probably he's definitely going to back Ziggy. I hadn't even thought of it that way. But um, it, it, if there's any kind of a, a, a issue there, Ziggy showed some real guts in doing that then. But I, I, I don't think there is. I think Ziggy, if anything, if there was anything other than just the strict game management, it might have been a message that, you know, we need to light a fire under this guy. Yep, I agree. Okay, so you got you got away with that one. Now, Mr. Kevin Baxter, who works for the LA Times, we have to discuss a little headline issue. Uh, the front page of the sports, uh, there are two headlines on there. Uh, and, and what's really awesome about it, Kevin, is that there is soccer on the front page of the sports section, uh, which is always good. LAFC, obviously the bigger story here. First game in franchise history going up to Seattle. They were always going to be the bigger story. Understand it. The headline for them says day one for LAFC. Uh, I believe that's the article you wrote, by the way. So so good job. Good job, you. Big, big headline. Uh, the other article was covering the LA Galaxy. The headline for this is victory for the, and in quotation marks, other LA club. Um, what purpose does any of that serve? Please tell well, me. I, I don't, first of all, remember I'm a thousand miles away. Uh, I'm yes. not responsible for the pictures they selected. I would have picked my pictures. I took some pictures of the game. <laughs> I would have used my pictures, but in any case, I'm not responsible for the selection of the pictures, the layout, the headlines. I'm a thousand miles away and I'm not consulted on any of that. I will say that I saw a lot of people saying, let's boycott the LA times. Let's not read the LA times anymore. People have been telling me ever since I got there, we need to see more soccer on the front page. They get two big soccer stories and two big soccer pictures, and now all of a sudden that's not good enough. There are two teams in L.A. I'm sorry. There's two baseball teams. There's two football teams. Sometimes one has a bigger story than the other. Um, I didn't like the headline, uh, to be honest. I didn't think it was fair. I have tried to treat the Galaxy and LAFC Equally, if, if anyone's been keeping count, every week we do two stories. We do one LAFC story. We do one Galaxy story. Now, that changed a little bit when the, the new uniform came out and stuff. But for the most part, it's been very equal. A feature on David Bingham, a feature on Tyler Miller. A feature on uh, 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 LAFC Defender, a feature on Jordan, uh, uh, one of the uh, Galaxy Defenders. So it's been pretty fair. Um, now... Uh, the way that that story was written, I saw that story, uh, the Galaxy story, and 
I, if I had covered the game, I think I would have treated it more as a Galaxy game and not try to spin the Galaxy game off on a LAFC angle. I don't think it was a case where the Galaxy watched the LAFC game and said, we got to go out there and do better than that. Um, my story would have been about how the Galaxy, uh, coming off the worst season in franchise history, you know, made a new start and with all these new players got got off to, uh, uh, you know, on, on, a, on a good footing with a victory against a conference contender in its opening game i would not have mentioned lafc in that story at all i wasn't covering that game i was in seattle so um i I don't mean to second guess my colleagues but i just thought that the galaxy story should have stood on its own as a galaxy game and maybe not even uh um, necessarily been been tied to LAFC in the layout on the front page. Yeah, I mean, so that, that was my take on it. No, no, and that's my take too, is, is it comes across, in my opinion, and I'm not linking you to this opinion, I want to separate you from this, but it comes across as, as childish for me to try to put it into a victory for the other LA club. It doesn't, you don't need to be disrespectful there, and that's what that is. That's a disrespectful headline. There's no need for it because clearly the story here is, and it's a big story, is that LAFC franchise, you know, their their first game, they go up, they get a win. It would have been the front page regardless of what the LA Galaxy did. For the LA Galaxy, it's just another season opener in their 23rd season in existence for the five-time MLS Cup champions. That's it. It's it's not as big of a story as LAFC starting the franchise for the very first time. High-profile pro, high club, $350 million stadium in downtown LA. All that stuff sells itself. But the headline is just, it's childish. I mean, I understand why people do it, and I'm, certain, I'm sure they wanted the clicks. Um, but I don't think you, you know that that just it doesn't work for me. It doesn't well, work for me at all. I, here's the thing: they're not they're not getting any clicks because yeah. that was the print version. The I right, believe I the online version had a totally different headline, so they're not getting any clicks from that. The first I saw of it, because I don't see the paper at night, it was when I woke up and saw a a text message from Brendan Hannon at six in the morning, uh, with the headline circled in red, and, and he had texted it to me. That's the first I saw of it was this morning, but. It, you know, I, I think maybe one part of it is something that we've talked about. We talked about it at the open house at the studio is is still we continue to fight uh, for respect, not just with fans and stuff, but with our own bosses in the building trying to right. uh, uh, trying to get across to them the idea that soccer is here to stay, that it's a serious sport, that it's getting bigger. And this is a, a fight that every soccer journalist in the country has, whether you're Steve Goff or maybe even Grant Wall at Sports Illustrated. We all have to fight the perception that soccer is not an American sport. It's not important. Um, And I I can tell you horror stories about how this has played out in the office. But when I looked at that or saw that layout and and read the headlines, my first thought was, you know, when the Dodgers and Angels open the season this year, they're not going to be paired. It's not going to be Angels win, Dodgers lose, and one is better than the other. The Lakers and Clippers, the Rams and Chargers, none of these other teams get linked. Maybe every once in a while USC and UCLA may um, because they play in the same conference and, and you know, maybe they play a big game uh, um, it, t- with conference uh, championship implications. Maybe they get paired, but you never you never see, again, the Kings and Ducks. You, you, those guys don't get paired in the layout with one team playing off the other team where one team is is the, the main team and the other is the secondary team. So it doesn't happen in other sports. I, I still think it's a little bit of that fight for respect that soccer is still undergoing. Yeah, very well. Well, I'll, I absolve you from any guilt that you have. Uh, I'm the, the Church of Corner of the Galaxy is here to absolve you of your sins. So 
Uh, you're you're fine with that. I just again, it just it seems needless to me. I, I just I don't get it. And and you already explained it. I mean, I and I know you don't write headlines. Uh, whenever I I did my my little stint for the L.A. Times and got my uh, got my article written about uh, Jorgen Shelby coming in, I didn't write the headline. I didn't pick the pictures. I didn't do any of that stuff either. And and you know that going in. Granted, on Corner of the Galaxy, I get to write the headlines. I get to do all that. So if there's a headline like Galaxy do the unexpected, they win at home, then I get to own it. And anybody who argues with that, I get to call. Idiot. So, I mean, that's well, easy for me. Well, I talk about selecting the pictures. Uh, you know, the LAFC's number one draft pick, John Martino. Um, there is a guy with the exact same name that plays in Syria, ah, also from Portugal. And we have run three Jow stories this year, uh, LAFC stories, and they've, uh, our desk has run the picture of the Syria, ah, guy every, every time. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, you know, sometimes you just sort of have to, you know, uh, cut your losses and, and move on. But it, it, the other question, too, we need to be clear on this. I don't cheer for either team. It, and I've had this from, from fans before covering baseball and hockey is like, oh, are you a Dodger fan? No, I'm not a Dodger fan. I will say that it is much more enjoyable to cover a winning team because everyone's in a better mood yes. than it is to cover a losing team. Yes, and I, I covered the Marlins for several seasons in Miami. So I know it's like to cover a losing team. So it, from that sense, sometimes you – you want the team to do well just because you know the players and it's much more fun to be around a team that's winning. What I always cheer for is the story. Yep. Um, I, I want a good story. Sometimes a good story is the team winning. Sometimes a good story. You know, I thought last year it was a horrible season for the Galaxy, but it was a newsworthy season. I'm not saying any of those stories were great, but, it, you know, it, the season they had last year from a news perspective from a covering, it was better than a sort of a 500 season where they just missed the playoffs by a game or something like that, um, because it was clear that something big was happening and that they needed to make some huge changes, and they did. Look what Ziggy did in this offseason. So, you know, the news instincts were right on that. I don't cheer for either team. I try to be fair to both teams. I try not to, to take cheap shots at either team. Uh, both LAFC and the Galaxy will tell you they disagree with me on that, but I'm not a fan of either team. I just try to call them as I see them and be as fair as possible. Um, I don't cheer for either team, but you know, again, it is a little more fun to cover a team when they're winning. It absolutely and, is. And yes. if they go to the playoffs, then they get to travel. Then so you get to travel. Then that's fun. Then then you enjoy that, even though you complain about traveling. Oh, I love it. Yes, I know. We know. All right, uh, there you go. You're you're good, Kevin. You're fine. And quite honestly, that's what you bring to the show is that that sort of unbiased opinion, the ability and, to take and a humor, shot and humor and, and humor. humor. Yes. yes, and the comedy. Yeah. <sighs> All right, that's it. We're done. Uh, live show on Thursday night, so make sure you tune in for that. That's, uh, of course, uh, important. That will get you ready for Sunday's New York City FC game coming up on Sunday, March 11th, a 2 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. This will be the first game broadcast on Spectrum Sportsnet and Spectrum Deportes, so pay attention to that. Then, of course, the LA Galaxy away to Vancouver on Saturday, March 24th, a little bit of a break in between those two games. LA Galaxy back at the end of March to host LAFC. Uh, where uh, Kevin will not be allowed to sit in the press box or in the stadium for that game. I don't think you're gonna have you're gonna have two PR groups that don't like you. So that's at high noon too. It, Shootout at high noon. Saturday, March thirty first, noon kickoff broadcast on Big Fox, Fox, not Fox Sports, Fox. So that'll be a big game for the LA Galaxy. So that's what's sort of what's coming down the line. Uh, just a, another home game right after that Sunday, April eighth. The LA Galaxy will host Sporting Kansas City. Uh, a 6 p.m. Pacific time kickoff on Fox Sports 1. Lots of national television games uh, here at the beginning of the year, which is fun to see. All right, uh, Kevin, anything else from you? You good? 
Yeah, a lot of people say they listen to the podcast where they're driving. So, hey, everybody, this is your exit. Yeah, that, you used that joke last week. You're done. I know. I like it. You know, no, it's recycled. No, no more. No more. All right, Mr. Kevin Baxter, if you're looking for him, at kbaxter11 uh, on Twitter and, of course, latimes.com, as long as you're not boycotting. Don't boycott. Don't. Get over it. You're fine. Everybody's okay. We breathe through the pain. All right. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast, uh, cornerofthegalaxy.com. We are back ordering scarves, so if you want a scarf, you didn't get one, you need to go on our website, click on the shop button there, and you can back order it. And whenever they come in, in about four to eight weeks, we will ship it out as soon as it comes in. So please do that. Help us out. All right. Uh, I think T-shirts are in the wind as well. I think your T-shirt should be starting to be delivered to you. Today, as this podcast is being recorded on Monday, March 5th, so pay attention for those as well. Well, all right, for Mr. Kevin Baxter of the LA Times, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.